Chapter Twelve of the Patchwork Girl of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eric Leach. The Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Twelve: The Giant Porcupine. Next morning, they started out bright and early to follow the road of yellow bricks toward the Emerald City. The little Munchkin boy was beginning to feel tired from the long walk, and he had a great many things to think of and consider besides the events of the journey. At the wonderful Emerald City, which he would presently reach, were so many strange and curious people that he was half afraid of meeting them and wondered if they would prove friendly and kind. Above all else, he could not drive from his mind the important errand on which he had come, and he was determined to devote every energy to finding the things that were necessary to prepare the magic recipe. He believed that until dear Unc Nunky was restored to life, he could feel no joy in anything, and often he wished that Unc would be with him to see all of the astonishing things Ojo was seeing. But alas, Unc Nunky was now a marble statue in the house of the crooked magician, and Ojo must not falter in his efforts to save him. The country through which they were passing was still rocky and deserted, with here and there a bush or a tree to break the dreary landscape. Ojo noticed one tree especially because it had such long silky leaves and was so beautiful in shape. As he approached it, he studied the tree earnestly, wondering if any fruit grew on it or if it bore pretty flowers. Suddenly, he became aware that he had been looking at that tree for a long time, at least for five minutes, and it had remained in the same position, although the boy had continued to walk steadily on. So he stopped short, and when he stopped, the tree and all the landscape, as well as his companions, moved on before him and left him far behind. Ojo uttered such a cry of astonishment that it aroused the shaggy man, who had halted. The others then stopped too and walked back to the boy. "What's wrong?" asked the shaggy man. "Why, we're not moving forward a bit, no matter how fast we walk," declared Ojo. "Now that we have stopped, we're moving backward. Can't you see? Just notice that rock." Scraps looked down at her feet and said, "The yellow bricks are not moving, but the whole road is." Answered Ojo. "True, quite true," agreed the shaggy man. I know all about the tricks of this road, but I have been thinking of something else and didn't realize where we were. It will carry us back to where we started from," predicted Ojo, beginning to be nervous. "No," replied the Shaggy Man. "It won't do that, for I know a trick to beat this tricky road. I've traveled this way before, you know. Turn around, all of you, and walk backward." "What good will that do?" asked the Cat. "You'll find out if you obey me," said the Shaggy Man. So they all turned their backs to the direction in which they wished to go and began walking backward. In an instant, Ojo noticed they were gaining ground, and as they proceeded in this curious way, they soon passed the tree which had first attracted his attention to their difficulty. How long must we keep this up, Shags? Asked Scraps, who was constantly tripping and tumbling down, only to get up again with a laugh at her mishap. Just a little way farther, replied the Shaggy Man. A few minutes later, he called to them to turn about quickly and step forward, and as they obeyed the order, they found themselves treading solid ground. That task is well over, observed the Shaggy Man. It's a little tiresome to walk backward, but that is the only way to pass this part of the road, which has a trick of sliding back and carrying with it anyone who's walking upon it. With new courage and energy, they now trudged forward, and after a time came to a place where the road cut through a low hill, leaving high banks on either side of it. They were traveling along this cut, talking together, when the shaggy man seized Scraps with one arm and Ojo with another, and shouted, "Stop!" "What's wrong now?" asked the patchwork girl. "See there," answered the shaggy man, pointing with his finger. Directly in the center of the road lay a motionless object that bristled all over with sharp quills, which resembled arrows. The body was as big as a ten-bushel basket, but the projecting quills made it appear to be four times bigger. Well, what of it? Asked Scraps. That is Chiss, 
who causes a lot of trouble along this road, was the reply. Chiss, what is chiss? I think it is merely an overgrown porcupine, but here in Oz they consider chiss an evil spirit. He's different from a regular porcupine because he can throw his quills in any direction, which an American porcupine cannot do. That's what makes old chiss so dangerous. If we get too near, he'll fire those quills at us and hurt us badly. Then we would be foolish to get too near, said Scraps. I'm not afraid, declared the woozy. The chiss is cowardly, I'm sure. And if it ever heard my awful, terrible, frightful growl, it would be scared stiff. Oh, can you growl? asked the shaggy man. That is the only ferocious thing about me, asserted the woozy with evident pride. My growl makes an earthquake blush and the thunder ashamed of itself. If I growled at that creature you call Chiss, it would immediately think the world has cracked in two and bumped against the sun and moon, and that would cause the monster to run as far and as fast as its legs could carry it. In that case, said the shaggy man, you are now able to do us all a great favor. Please growl. But you forget, returned the woozy, my tremendous growl would also frighten you, and if you happen to have heart disease, you might expire. True, but we must take that risk, decided the shaggy man bravely. Being warned of what is to occur, we must try to bear the terrific noise of your growl, but Chiss won't expect it, and it will scare him away. The woozy hesitated. I'm fond of you all, and I hate to shock you, it said. Never mind, said Ojo. You may be made deaf. If so, we'll forgive you. Very well, then, said the woozy in a determined voice, and advanced a few steps toward the giant porcupine. Pausing to look back, it asked, Already? Already, they answered. Then cover up your ears and brace yourselves firmly. Now then, look out. The woozy turned toward Chiss, opened wide its mouth, and said, Queek! Go ahead and growl, said Scraps. Why, I, I did growl, retorted the woozy, who seemed much astonished. What, that little squeak, she cried? It is the most awful growl that ever was heard, on land or sea, in caverns or in the sky, protested the woozy. I wonder you stood the shock so well. Didn't you feel the ground tremble? I suppose Chiss is now quite dead with fright. The shaggy man laughed merrily. Poor wooze, said he. Your growl wouldn't scare a fly. The woozy seemed to be humiliated and surprised. It hung its head a moment, as if in shame or sorrow, but then it said with renewed confidence, Anyhow, my eyes can flash fire, and good fire, too, good enough to set fire to a fence. That is true, declared Scraps. I saw it done myself, but your ferocious growl isn't as loud as the tick of a beetle, or one of Ojo's snores when he's fast asleep. Perhaps, said the woozy humbly, I have been mistaken about my growl. It has always sounded very fearful to me, but that may have been because it was so close to my ears. Never mind, Ojo said soothingly. It is a great talent to be able to flash fire from your eyes. No one else can do that. As they stood hesitating what to do, Chiss stirred, and suddenly a shower of quills came flying toward them, almost filling the air. They were so many. Scraps realized in an instant that they had gone too near to Chiss for safety, so she sprang in front of Ojo and shielded him from the darts, which stuck their points into her own body until she resembled one of those targets they shoot arrows at in archery games. The shaggy man dropped flat on his face to avoid the shower, but one quill stuck him in the leg and went far in. As for the glass cat, the quills rattled off her body without making even a scratch, and the skin of the woozy was so thick and tough that he was not hurt at all. When the attack was over, they all ran to the shaggy man, who was moaning and groaning, and Scraps promptly pulled the quill out of his leg. Then up he jumped and ran over to Chiss, putting his foot on the monster's neck and holding it a prisoner. 
The body of the great porcupine was now as smooth as leather, except for the holes where the quills had been, for it had shot every single quill in that one wicked shower. "'Let me go!' it shouted angrily. "'How dare you put your foot on Chiss!' "'I'm going to do worse than that, old boy,' replied the shaggy man. "'You have annoyed travellers on this road long enough, and now I shall put an end to you.' "'You can't,' returned Chiss. "'Nothing can kill me, as you know perfectly well.' "'Perhaps that is true,' said the shaggy man in a tone of disappointment. "'Seems to me I have been told before that you can't be killed. "'But if I let you go, what will you do?' "'Pick up my quills again,' said Chiss in a sulky voice. "'And then shoot them at more travellers? "'No, that won't do. "'You must promise me to stop throwing quills at people.' "'I won't promise anything of the sort,' declared Chiss. "'Why not? "'Because it is my nature to throw quills, "'and every animal must do what nature intends it to do. "'It isn't fair for you to blame me. "'If it were wrong for me to throw quills, "'then I wouldn't be made with quills to throw. "'The proper thing for you to do is to keep out of my way.' "'Why, there's some sense in that argument,' "'admitted the shaggy man thoughtfully. "'But people who are strangers and don't know you're here "'won't be able to keep out of your way.' "'Tell you what,' said Scraps, who was trying to pull the quills out of her own body. "'Let's gather up all the quills and take them away with us. "'Then old Chiss won't have any left to throw at people.' "'Ah, that's a clever idea. "'You and Ojo must gather up the quills while I hold Chiss a prisoner, "'for if I let him go he will get some of his quills and be able to throw them again.' "'So Scraps and Ojo picked up all the quills and tied them in a bundle "'so they might easily be carried.' After this, the shaggy man released Chiss and let him go, knowing that he was harmless to injure anyone. "'It's the meanest trick I ever heard of,' muttered the porcupine gloomily. "'How would you like it, shaggy man, if I took all your shags away from you?' "'If I threw my shags and hurt people, you would be welcome to capture them,' was the reply. Then they walked on, and left Chiss standing in the road sullen and disconsolate. The shaggy man limped as he walked, for his wound still hurt him, and Scraps was much annoyed because the quills had left a number of small holes in her patches. When they came to a flat stone by the roadside, the shaggy man sat down to rest, and then Ojo opened his basket and took out the bundle of charms the crooked magician had given him. "'I am Ojo the Unlucky,' he said, "'or we would never have met that dreadful porcupine. But I will see if I can find anything among these charms which will cure your leg.' Soon he discovered that one of the charms was labeled for flesh wounds, and this the boy separated from the others. It was only a bit of dried root taken from some unknown shrub, but the boy rubbed it upon the wound made by the quill, and in a few moments the place was healed entirely, and the shaggy man's leg was as good as ever. "'Rub it on the holes of my patches,' suggested Scraps, and Ojo tried it, but without any effect. "'The charm you need is a needle and thread,' said the shaggy man. "'But do not worry, my dear, those holes do not look badly at all.' "'They let in the air, and I don't want people to think I'm airy or that I've been stuck up,' said the patchwork girl. "'You were certainly stuck up until we pulled out those quills,' observed Ojo with a laugh. So now they went on again, and coming presently to a pond of muddy water, they tied a heavy stone to the bundle of quills and sunk it to the bottom of the pond, to avoid carrying it farther. End of chapter 12. Recording by Eric Leach, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.